Okay. Can you see it? Yeah, sort of. Do you need your glasses? Yeah. Would you like me to get your glasses? Yes. Okay, old man. Thank you. From some far-flung corner of the globe. Wait. The globe is a sphere. How does it have a corner? Shut up. This is the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast. Now with even more Shivo and a few of their traveling friends. Each of them sharing stories of everyday experiences of travels around the world. Hello, vicarious travelers from all around the globe. Welcome back to Bangkok, Thailand. I am Evo Terra. And I'm Sheila D. Together, we thank you for following along with our journeys around the world. Coming up on the program today, a great story from our friend Gary Arndt, an outstanding travel writer, travel photographer, podcaster. That's coming up in just a moment. Before we get there, though, honey, I wanted to let you know Remember a couple of weeks ago, we had the conversation of how Thailand has this crazy idea of getting rid of the 4,417 phone booths to make the city beautiful all of a sudden? Yes. And we talked specifically about one phone booth that kind of does get in the way because there's not a lot of room uh-huh. on the road. And that's the one between here and our dry cleaners down Sukhumvit 50. Right. Been gone for two weeks. Are you serious? Completely and totally gone. What, what's on the, the bottom? Just a concrete pad. Really? So really. they concreted over the... No, I think they just simply just took it out and unbolted it, and it's just a concrete pad down below it. It wasn't like dug into the bricks. I think it was but, up on an elevated concrete pad on top of the sidewalk. So where are the wires and things like that? That's what Listen, I'm... Listen, that's not what I want to talk about today. All right, go ahead. What, I see you have an agenda. What I want to talk about today is we just got back from The Jungle Book, which was an amazing movie, and it made me think, you know what we should talk about? The people, the, excuse me, the person back in America listening to this show is what it's like to go to the theaters in Thailand. It is a little different. It's a slightly different experience for, for lots of different reasons. Now, just going to the theater, you need to understand, it means something, actually it means some things different here in Thailand. There, there is no uniform movie Experience, And I get that's the way it is in America, too, right? I mean, if you live in BFE, Nebraska, with a population of seven plus three cows, your movie experience is quite different than someone living in, say, Manhattan. Right. But assuming you live in a normal-sized city and you've gone to a normal theater, really all theater experiences in America have been homogenized down to one. One very good experience, too, by the way. It's a good experience. But not the case here in Bangkok, specifically. So... Let's kind of walk through the the funness of here. Now, you can have, as as we have done before, the normal, everyday, standard movie theater experience. Major Cineplex up uh, at Sukhumvit at Ekamai is our our regular spot. That felt to me, honey, you tell me, like a normal theater experience. Yeah, it does. Um, Minus, like, the big leather seats and all of that. I mean, that's what we had when we were in Phoenix, but... Um, other, otherwise, yeah, it's standard stadium style seating, right? Yeah, right. Nothing special, nothing out of the norm. The ticket counter and the movie theater themselves are quite often 
completely disconnected from one another. That is very true. Which is weird. Normally you pay your money and then you go in just to the right or to the left of the person you gave the money to and you go into a big theater. Yeah, not here. Right. You give your money to a person, which is typically a machine that's up against a wall, and there are no doors on either side of you. You you have to look around and just kind of follow the crowd, oftentimes up the escalator where you can then go in. Right. And that's if, weird. And if you're not uh, of a native speaker, that can sometimes cause an issue. What do you mean? Sometimes getting directions because not everybody's going up to the English-speaking auditorium oh you bring up an interesting point that's right because the auditoriums are different whether or not they are thai movies or english movies that have been overdubbed in thai or they are subtitled um, subtitled with regular english vocals you know it's the normal soundtrack there but they have sub they subtitle everything in thai right yeah so you're right you have to pick a different theater and you may be going to the wrong spot also the popcorns in this theater and these theaters like this here suck and the reason that is... They're pre-popped. That's part of it. The popper itself and the popcorn you get are also disremoved from one another. I don't yeah. understand that. And they also have flavors. They're nasty. And you can get caramel corn. People love caramel corn. You can I get do. cheddar cheese corn. People love cheesy corn. And you get regular corn. The problem is they're much like a GMO seed released to the wild, you cannot control where these kernels, these, these popped kernels go. And so you wind up getting regular, normal, human-flavored popcorn like we want. <laughs> but it's contaminated with the other stuff. But, but it, and it's a powder. It's not like it's a... Uh, it? A, the popcorn, the, the flavoring is, is a powder, and it's just texture-wise well, and... Now, Taste not to disagree with you, you're right, it is a powder, but if you will think back to American movie theaters, you can buy the popcorn and you can just walk maybe 20, 30 paces away, and there's a station to where you can put those weird powdery things on your popcorn, yes? That gives you a choice. <laughs> it totally does give you a choice. <laughs> you're right, they contaminate, there's no choice when it comes to popcorn here. It's not, it's not very good, and, and again, it's been pre-popped, as she said. It's, right. not, it's not warm popcorn. Mmm, honey, would you like some slightly lower than room temperature popcorn today? With the powder said on it, that's no nasty. No one ever. <laughs> no, you don't want that. But if you want a step up from that, they also have the full-on VIP experience, which I understand back in America we're getting more of the VIP-level experiences that happen. We've done exactly one of those. We have. It was cool. It was really nice. What did you like about it? I like that... (laughs) This is going to sound horrible. Probably. I was up away from all of the other people. (laughs) And I like like that... um, Somebody was there to attend to us. So they ask you what drinks you want, what flavor you want on your popcorn, and then they don't bring it to you in this lounge area. We should probably talk about the lounge area because we haven't even got to that oh, part yet. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, that right. was the we're up away from everybody else. So let me let me back up and tell a more complete story. Okay. Um, so what Sheila's talking about there is we got to the theater an hour early because that's when the lounge is open you can go to the lounge ahead of time and this is not in the theater this is actually a separate room a lounge and you can sit down and somebody will bring you a free complimentary drink 
And then suddenly they bring out hors d'oeuvres and they're set around the table. And you're welcome just to go enjoy, sit back, relax, listen to some lovely music, all while you're waiting for the most important thing ever, your movie to start in an hour. And you get this food and these drinks. Right. And you have your own bathrooms. Individually? You get your own bathroom? Well, that... Like the first class experience has their own bathroom. It's like a restaurant that sits on top of the movie itself, on top of the theater. So you are there. People wait on you. And it's it's you and probably, I don't know, what was there, less than a dozen people in there with oh, us? easily. Very yeah. small amount of people getting this complete VIP experience. And this is all free. This is all part of your ticket price. Right. Pay the ticket price and you get that. And then, as you were saying. They take your order for uh, your drink. And whatever snacks you want. Right. Which is also included in your ticket price. Sure. You're not paying any extra for anything. Right. You've, you've paid enough. Right. For the ticket price. Right. And so they don't bring those two things to you in the lounge. Those are waiting for you when you step into the theater in your assigned seats. In your assigned seat with a table in between the two seats with your popcorn in a bowl. This is not a bag of popcorn. This is a bowl of popcorn and your drinks waiting for you, which is awesome. And they also have waiting for you a pillow and a blanket. That's nice. In case you want to sleep to the movie you just paid 30 bucks for. Just so you know, I didn't let Evo have his blanket. No, it was a little chilly in there. <laughs> it was subarctic temperature here in the tropics. It was, it was nice. So that was nice. That was nice. I like that experience. That was a very, very nice experience. Oh, and also don't forget the refill button. Oh, yeah. They just come and bring you stuff when you can. Yeah, when your popcorn is out, just push the little red button and somebody will come along quietly to the side of you and ask if you would like some more. And they'll ask you if you want the same kind. God's yes, you do, because if you get anything that's not salted, you've totally messed up. Ugh, wrong with you. <laughs> no judging. No, I'm not judging at all. So. But the most awesome experience was the one that we had last night. I think my favorite, I don't know if it's your favorite, but I will say my favorite experience of movies now is the whole Aplex set. Three different theaters, Lido 1, 2, 3, and uh, Sala... Something like Something that? Something like that. that was, that's been the best one. I like that one out of the other ones. Now, this is nice. This is nice. You feel like you are stepping back in time going to... 1940s. At least. Now, they, now, some of them have a computerized system, but not the one we were at last night. No. We paid our 100 baht to pick a seat, which we had to pick out on paper, and she crossed off the seats. So you get to choose seats, which is kind of cool, but it's all, it's all paper done, and it cost 100 baht or $3. $3 for a ticket to, to get inside. Popcorn, 40 baht. And it's real popcorn. Real. She, she was popping it live. She while even we held sat. off. There was a little bit of popcorn there. She could have gave like, us the cold, stale. Nope, she gave us the real stuff. But next time we have to do two of those. Yeah, we could use a larger one. Yeah. Yeah, because at 40 baht, which is a little over a dollar, I think we can afford to buy two and of the popcorns. And it was small. It was small. Smallish popcorn, but oh, so good. Best popcorn in Bangkok. And not only was it a great, great popcorn, great concession experience inside. I don't know if you noticed this or not, honey. And I've seen this at the other ex- theater experiences as well with these guys. Um, the stewards, what do you call the guys the with the, the attendants, the seat people? What There is a word for this. What the hell... I don't remember. Oh my God, I'm totally blank on what this. You call attention to the dude, and it it's I'm not I'm not leaving it alone. I'm gonna (laughs) figure out what this thing is. He's not an attendant. He's not a steward. He's an usher. Ha! 
He's an usher. The wow. ushers, ushers wear lemon yellow jackets. And they have flashlights to help you down. Well, that's pretty common. I see a lot yeah. of ushers in dark movie theaters have flashlights. What I don't see a lot of are ushers with lemon yellow jackets on. But what about the coat check? And there's a coat check inside because this theater was built in 1940 whatever. And there's a there's a great coat check area right over to the side. You know, the coat you might wear in the tropics. I will say that I needed a coat last night in the theater, though. That's true. Maybe the coat check was designed to hand you a coat (laughs) instead of check your coat in. Hmm, something to be experienced here. Hmm, Yes. Well, so that's Bangkok theater going. You you gotta go. I mean, the Bangkok theaters are great. If you come visit Thailand and you come to Bangkok specifically... Watch a movie. All the ones you want to watch are here. Yep. They're all in English. Um, they will have Thai subtitles, so you can learn Thai. Kidding. Um, but it is a very good classic movie experience. If you want the normal stuff, you can get the normal stuff. They got that. Go to the regular theaters. If you want to be posh and high-end and drop 20 bucks a ticket, then go to the VIP experience. But if you want to experience the real deal and feel like you also were back in time as we were, head over to the Lido or the whatever the other one is called that I can't think of. It's called Apex, and it's golden. So I also noticed one other thing last night. There were more people in the theater we were in last night than any of the other movies we've gone to see. Yeah, there were a lot more people there, uh-huh. right, watching The Jungle Book, which was, uh, it had been out for a little while, so it's not like it's brand new release that day, but it was pretty full. I, oh, last week, it, I think it came out last week. You know the other thing that I noticed? What? Did you watch people taking food in to the theater? No. The one we went to last night, people were bringing in their own food from the streets. Really? From the outside world bringing into a theater. That's bizarre. That's really weird that you could actually do that, but it is not only allowed, but actively encouraged, which is great because Bangkok is a great street food scene, and those theaters are literally on the street. So you right. step out of the theater, grab a couple of pieces of Mooping, grab yourself wow. a coconut shake, grab yourself an entire box of Pad Thai, I guess. <laughs> that would be me. Take it into the theater with you. I wonder how Pad Thai tastes with popcorn. <laughs> Is there a volcano on Kiribati that's going to be part of the tale? No, and it's not pronounced Kiribati. Oh my God. How do I pronounce it? Kiribati. Oh, that's right. I knew that. And I think I learned that from either you or Chris. Well, Kiribati. Put an S in a damn word. Of course you knew that, Evo. Way to cover your own shortcomings. Now, if you don't mind, can we get back to Gary? My name is Gary Arndt. I like long walks on the beach. Very Manilow Records. Just as long as that beach is not on Kiribati. Apparently, this week's story has to do with Kiribati, since they've each mentioned it a couple of times. Gary is quite the traveler. I've been traveling around the world 3,572 consecutive days. I've been to all seven continents. I've been to 176 countries and territories on this Traveler Century Club list. Uh, I've been named Travel Photographer of the Year in North America three times by both the Society of American Travel Writers and the North American Travel Journalists Association. And I have a podcast on CBS called The Global Travel Conspiracy. 
Those are good enough qualifications for us. And with such extensive travels, Gary has racked up quite a few interesting stories, but we asked him to pick his favorite. So why not one that led to an immigration law change? Uh, the story takes place back in 2007. So I started traveling full time in March of 2007, and I basically started going west. So I went to LA, went to Hawaii, and then began island hopping. And it basically took me about six months to cross the Pacific Ocean. And in August of 2007, um, I'm in Fiji. Yeah. And I was planning where I was going to go. So I had been to Tonga, Samoa, Cook Islands. Uh, American Samoa, French Polynesia, New Zealand. So now I'm up in Fiji and I'm going to be going west some more. And the plan is to go to New Caledonia, which is a French territory, the Solomon Islands, uh, Nauru, Kiribati, come back to Fiji, and then uh, maybe go up to Tuvalu before getting up to the northern part of the Pacific that includes Micronesia. Mm. And at the time, all of these places, Americans could just go to without a visa, with one exception. And that would be Kiribati. At the time, if you were a member of the Commonwealth, you could go to Kiribati, no problem. But Americans needed a visa. Right. And Kiribati does not have a lot of embassies. They're a pretty small country in the middle of the yeah. Pacific Ocean. And the only place I could find an embassy was in Suva, which was the capital of Fiji. Hmm. So okay. I'm there and I, I make a special trip. I rent a car and I drive to Suva. Now, if you're not aware of how Fiji works, the main island the international airport is completely on one side of the island and is not next to the capital of Suva. It's in Nandi. And Nandi, just if you're checking, is spelled N-A-D-I. And if you're wondering where the second N is from, that's just how they do it. Same way with the way Kiribati is, is pronounced. It's Kiribati, even though there's no S to be found. The T-I is pronounced like an S. Don't know why they did it. They also have an island called Christmas Island, spelled the same way with no S in it. And it's all a big mess. But anyways... <laughs> To get to Kiribati, needed a visa, go to Suva. I drive there on a Sunday. So Monday morning, I'm at the embassy, which is just a residential house, and fill out the paperwork, and I get my visa. Are you like now, the only most, one there? I'm, I'm imagining there's no line yeah. of people waiting to get to Kiribati. Well, even if they are, they're probably going to be from Australia or New Zealand, which don't need a visa. No, so, right, Or they're from Fiji, Canada. which don't need a visa. Right. So... And I should add the United States, because Kiribati is actually a really large country, or it's spread out over a wide distance over the ocean. Okay. And I think technically, like the closest country to Kiribati, to one of its islands, is the United States. It's Hawaii. Oh, oh right. Uh, so, but nonetheless, Americans at the time needed a visa to go to Kiribati. So for most countries, when you get a visa, it's a sticker that goes in your passport. Right. Not Kiribati. It was a rubber stamp with the little ink thing. Okay. And uh, they would they stamped your passport literally with a rubber stamp, mm -hmm. just like you'd get your scrapbook like in the store. Yeah. And they filled in the dates it was valid with a ballpoint pen. This fact becomes very important as the story progresses. <laughs> so I leave Fiji. I go to New Caledonia, which, by the way, is very, very nice. It's like city, uh, you know, uh, Numia, which is the capital. It's like a city in southern France in the Pacific. It's great. Um, I go to the Solomon Islands, place very few people visit. But I, I highly recommend. Speak English, not too hard. I visit a place called Rennell, which is one of the outer islands. 
they get, they said, they told me they get like 10 visitors a year to give you an idea of what we're talking about. One of the most remote feelings I've ever had in my life. And then to get to Kiribati, there is a flight that um, at the time it was called Air Nauru, formerly our airlines. And it was the airline for the nation of Nauru, which if you don't know what Nauru is, is a, it's a country like a legit seat in the United Nations. Mm-hmm. And they got 10,000 people, oh. one island in the Pacific. <laughs> but, and it, it also turns out for a brief period of time, they, they had no airplane because it got repossessed because they, um, they couldn't pay for it. So it got repossessed. And then and the way this works, they got the airplane. I got a new airplane because Taiwan gave it to them because they agreed to recognize Taiwan instead of mainland China as the real oh. China in exchange for a plane. So right. that's how they got their plane back. So I'm on this plane, and the plane actually is normally stationed in Brisbane. And it went Brisbane, Honiara, Nauru, Tarawa, which is the capital of Kiribati, and then would fly back, and it would do this once a week. So I get on the flight in Honiara. We go to Nauru, which is I'm there in the middle of the night for about an hour. Actually touch the ground. That's my Nauru experience. Okay. At the Nauru, I bought something at the Nauru gift shop. Um and I, I land in Tarawa. And, and what, I, what I did not mention in this story is when I was on the island of Rennell, I got caught in a rainstorm with all my stuff. Oh. And it got drenched and my passport got drenched. And the ballpoint pen ink on my visa led oh. off the page. Now, you could still see that there was a stamp from Kiribati on that page. Yes, but there was nothing else. And, oh, the, and that was even running a, a little bit. But you yeah. can still tell it was a Kiribati visa. So I arrive at the airport. I present my passport. And the guy at immigration will not let me in. What? And I mean, you're like, thinking, nope. wait a minute. I'm in an island nation. It rains here like every five minutes. Clearly, you guys have had this problem before. But no. Well, you know, not, you got to remember, it's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's not okay. like you're you're going to the border and they say no. It's like oh, oh I got to go right. back. Why yeah, there's no border, so they're gonna they're threatening to send me back to the Solomon Islands, which is not. I like the Solomon Islands. I wasn't necessarily looking to go back to the Solomon sure, Islands. Not, not quite yet. So right. you encounter many things when you travel, right? And for most of this stuff, you just kind of have to roll with it. You know, mm-hmm. you order chicken at a menu at a restaurant, you get beef. You're eating beef. Whatever stuff happens for the really the only time in the almost decade I've been traveling, I just threw a massive fit because this was a bureaucratic. I'm like, look, you can see it's a Kiribati visa. Who would forge this? I'm not going to be hiding in your country. Where would I hide? I would stick out like a sore thumb. I have my tickets for the flight out. I have my hotel reservations. What's the price? And you can call the embassy. They will tell you this white guy showed up a week ago and got the visa on this date, blah, 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 blah. It's all cool. He refused to do it. He just refused to do it. Now, I should also mention that this was the first place during my travels that I had to get a visa. So Mm -hmm. I contacted, I sent an email to the Minister of Tourism for the nation of Kiribati, which sounds impressive, but you got to remember, it's a really small country. Right. And uh, he told me what I needed to do. So I had a little bit of a dialogue with the Minister of Tourism. Sure. So after throwing a fit, the airport director was watching everything. And he comes up to me and he says, look, 
instead of going back to the Solomon Islands, we can put you on a flight to Fiji in six hours. There's one coming in. Hmm. Whereas that was, I was going to go to Fiji anyhow in four days, but now I'd be doing it in six hours. So right. I sat in the airport fuming uh, with my laptop and I wrote a very terse email to the, min the Minister of Tourism for Kiribati. And when I got to Fiji, I sent him this email. And okay. it was basically like, look, what? who won here? Yeah. I didn't spend money in your country. You know, what, what you know, it, you've made it very difficult for your closest neighbor to visit your country. Right. Honolulu is, you know, there are flights to Christmas Island that come from there. What, what, what is the point of this? What do you gain? I was so pissed off that I just, I walked into the, one of the, the ticket counters at the airport. And my plan was to go to Tuvalu after that for a couple of days and come back. I went to Honolulu and uh, I ended up staying there for like two weeks. This was, this was in August. I got a place uh, near Waikiki and then stayed there for two weeks and whatever. So as I'm in Honolulu, I get this email. Turns out the Minister of Tourism forwards my email to the Prime Minister of the country. <laughs> I kind of forgot about it. I went to the Marshall Islands and Micronesia and these other places. And I, I like two years later, I checked to see like what the status was for going to Kiribati again. Turns out you, Americans didn't need a visa to go to Kiribati anymore. And it further turns out that they made that change a month after the email got sent to the prime minister of the country. And so they called I'm that pretty angry, angry white man bill was passed. I don't know for certain that I was responsible for the change in the law, but I think there's a good chance that I may have kind of instigated it or maybe they had already been thinking it. Uh, yeah, that got changed. So if anyone listening wants to go to Kiribati and you're American, you got me to thank for it. Fantastic. So when you wrote that letter, did you include, I mean, because you knew that people from the Commonwealth of England didn't have to uh, uh, do this. Did you ask them, are you still pissed about 1776? And that's the show. Our travel calendar is starting to fill up again. Next week, Evo's taking a solo trip to Vietnam. After that, we're headed to a rocket festival in northern Thailand. A beach getaway after that, and then he's off to Sri Lanka. So much for settling down. And remember, you can follow along with all of those events as they actually happen on the Facebook Live, on Snapchat, on Periscope, via Instagram. There are all sorts of ways we document the travels as they actually happen, rather than waiting for me to eventually talk about them on the podcast, uh, if ever. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for all of the music used in this episode. For Evo Terra, I'm Sheila D. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast. Cheers from Bangkok. Funding for this podcast and all the great content Shivo produce is made possible by listeners just like you. Visit shivo.wtf slash postcards to pledge your support and get a handwritten postcard each month as they travel abroad. Additional funding provided by Travelsmith inspiring people to go places they've never been and keeping Shivo looking smart and well outfitted on their journey. And if you want to travel the world, it's cheaper than you think. Visit Shivo.wtf, how appropriate, 
For more details, and click on the house sitting link to find out exactly how they afford to travel the world in style. See you next time on the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast.